Hello, Electrifiers. Welcome to the, the very first Electrifying podcast. You asked for it, so we're delivering it, and you may well regret having asked for it in the first place. Um, so we're going to do a weekly roundup of what we've all been up to. And on the podcast this week is me, Ginny, and I'm joined by the lovely Nicola, Hi. Tom and Mike. How are we all? Hello. Good. good. good yeah, you. good. You? <laughs> so okay. far, so it's good. So far, so good. It's going to be more professional than this, mainly because I won't be doing all the technical side again, because I think we've all realised that I'm not very good at it, am I, gang? I've been trying my best. So basically, what we're going to do, we're going to get together whoever's around every week, and we're just going to go through what we've been up to, our week in cars, um, the news stories that might have caught our eye over the week, and we'll be getting a podcast up live um, every week here on YouTube, but also over on your usual podcast platforms as well. So should we kick off with what we've all been doing this week? And maybe given that this is the first podcast, a little bit of an intro as to who we are, in case people don't watch all our videos here on YouTube. Nick, what have you been up to? Uh, so, hi, I'm Nicola. Um, and oh, God, well, I've been a bit all over the place the last few weeks. So I went to Frankfurt for the day to go and drive the new Hyundai Kona. And then a couple of days later, I went to Norway to go and drive the new Honda ENY1. And then a few days after that, I spent the weekend at the Formula E Epri in London. See, you've been very busy. Yeah, it's been good. It's been, it has been amazing. There are a couple of things that I do want to point out. Number one, the Hyundai Kona is fantastic. Really, really big fan. Yeah. Thought it was a brilliant car. Really lovely to drive. Number two, the Honda ENY1. I don't know if you noticed, but so the video's actually gone up now. It's on our YouTube channel now. If you have a good look when I'm sort of doing the walk around, you can see the battery underneath the floor. You can see that battery is actually yeah. You can see it because uh, I noticed there was a few comments on it. And actually, is that, a, in, is that a design? Is it a design feature? I don't know. I don't know if they've if they're basically just using the HRV platform and they're pretending it's an electric platform and then they've just shoved the battery underneath the floor. But it looks like if there's going to be some big speed humps, then you might bottom out the car a little bit once it's driven in the UK. Okay. Uh, Nic Nicola, one thing I'm really curious about is I saw the slides from the press presentation, but obviously I didn't hear what they were saying. And the slides have all the competitors, which all look cheaper and have more range. How, how <laughs> did they talk around that? How did they say, here's an MG ZS, which is half the price and, and goes twice as far? I mean, what did they say? What they said was they didn't name the competitors. They just said competitor hmm. one, competitor two competitor three so you're just kind of left guessing as to who they're trying to talk about it was a really interesting it was a really lovely launch and the team are so nice and the car i found reasonably lovely but the the issue with with the emy one is the price it's, it starts at 45 grand yeah it's crazy you you put that on our, you put that on our team whatsapp group that price and then we literally lit up didn't it with us all <laughs> yes yeah. ping 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 like, ping ping <laughs> head swivel what it's a lot of money it yeah. is a lot of money okay um so mike what have you been up to what have you been driving over the last week what well, i can't compete with um air miles hume in terms of you know flying <laughs> everywhere but um i had um 
I've had a couple of test cars in. Um, sent back a, a Volkswagen ID5 and had in an Enyaq Coupe, purely by coincidence, as almost as if I should have organised it. Um, and I think, Ginny, you and I are both in the kind of um, Skoda Enyaq, you know, we love camp, aren't yeah. we, really? Um, it just reminded me. I kind of think the Coupe should have been the car they launched with because it's more aerodynamic, it's way more efficient. But it was just that kind of, I drove oh. to Bristol and it, it was kind of, it was doing four, 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 four point two miles per kilo, um, per kilowatt hour. It was just comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was the kind of thing I could just spend hours in, and it was just, it was just did everything right. And I stopped at Molly's um, outside Bristol, which is um, a sort of diner place. Well, you've been to the Oxford one, haven't you? I know. Um, and it has a grid serve, yeah. uh, rapid charges there. It's a really nice kind of you know canteen re- restaurant kind of thing. It just, it just seemed like the perfect place. And if more places like that exist mm. then we're going to have no problems mm-hmm. at all are we so um yeah it was just a really nice weekend i'd put some serious miles on this enyaq coupe and it was just lovely yeah so really really enjoyable just rewinding to the start of your conversation i i really love the way you said i sent back a vw id5 <laughs> furiously sent, sent back. back yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a key key did for key but, but yeah you well you know it? Well, you know, it's yeah, it's, 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 I kind of liked it. And then I drove the Enyaq and you kind of think you, you can't help feeling that somewhere along the line of the production yeah. and the design process that the papers got switched because, you know, I'm not saying Skoda <laughs> should feel cheap inside, but you know, it's an absolute, so you wouldn't get, get a spec to get out of a Volkswagen into a Skoda and there'd be a step up in terms of quality. Yeah. And there's buttons, there's actual stuff in the other, even the basic things like turning the, the radio up and down, there's a nice metal kind of scroll wheel on the Skoda. Oh, and it just, you know, it's yeah. tactile, it works. Whereas you're not sort of stabbing this kind of um, haptic switch on the steering wheel that kind of does four, oh, four, four blobs of volume in one go and then back up to one. So yeah, it was just, it was just like, you know, drinking a glass of cold water when you're hot it was just it was just lovely getting in this thing and it was just perfect think talking of um stabbing at haptic switches i was um i've been in two vw boot cars over the last few days i drove the um the tweaked um id3 yesterday and was incredibly disappointed to see that the slider's still there does it light up no it doesn't it's going to light up but it doesn't light up yet. Like it's going to get a better screen, but not yet. And it's going to get even better tech, but but not yet. So it is tweaked, but there are more tweaks coming. But in big news, it will now. It is joined the the, the sort of the, the modern age, and you can now get over the air updates. So the, the, your owners won't have to scurry into the dealers to get um, updates on the tech. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. It was a good. You know, it's very subtle. It does look a little bit better from the outside. I just, it's always just underwhelmed me a bit, that car. I wanted to love it and I don't love it as much as I do. And I think, I just want, it feels like it was rushed through to me. I don't know about you guys, but suddenly Dieselgate happened and they went, oh God, that car that we've got on the planning board, let's quick, let's get it through. Because it seemed to come to market a bit without, obviously, the, the tech on it has been problematic, to say the least. But also, it just is a bit, it could be a bit more interesting, a bit more well put together. I don't know. I like oh, it, but I don't love it. I think I was the only person in the world who actually liked the original ID3. I kind of, I, I, I like the fact that they were trying to do something a bit different with it. I like the white steering wheel and the kind of, I didn't, I didn't like the haptic controls, obviously. Yeah. I kind of thought I like what they were trying to do with it, but it's kind of 
they didn't understand their market, did they? Volkswagen owners want, as we as you know, when we saw that ID two that Tom and I and I think the rest of the team thought, oh God, is that all? You know, and yet when we put that out on Twitter and said, this is really disappointing, isn't it? Almost to a person, every response was, oh no, I love this. This is proper. This is what Volkswagen should be doing. You know, sensible, yeah. normal looking cars yeah, yeah. in normal colors without kind of this. this and I, yeah, I think Volkswagen probably were guilty of mm-hmm. not understanding their own market, which is very sort of conservative with a small C. They kind of just prefer stuff to look like cars uh, and, mm-hmm. and behave like it. So I think that was that was probably why that got facelift got rushed through kind of a year early. But, um, yeah, yeah, but I think it's fair to say, Mike, that perhaps conservative is not a word we would use for your choice in shirts or your choice in cars. Well, exactly. <laughs> so you're, you're, you are. <laughs> I always think that, you know, if, if marketing executives find that I like a car, they probably realise they've made some sort of terrible mistake uh, somewhere along the line. They're not going <laughs> to sell any. Oh, God, Mike likes them. Shit, what are we going to do? <laughs> so we're going to have to sort of change all that. So, <laughs> so come on then, Miss Barnard. What's been your week in cars? What have you been driving? Where have you been travelling? Well, well, you've just reminded me when you were talking about the haptic things that I've been to the Faroe Islands, which are very pretty when it's not foggy to drive the new Audi Q6 e-tron, which is their new big posh SUV. And it was a prototype, so it was covered in a very kind of gaudy uh, wrap, pink and very Barbie-like, actually, with white wheels. And they covered over the the dashboard and the face here and all the instruments uh, because they don't want it to be seen yet. It's all still secret, which made it tricky to do things like reverse without going into a wall or running over a dog but the essential switches obviously they couldn't cover over and on the door there is a bank of haptic switches which is kind of like double the size of the id3 ones and does all sorts of things and actually i mean i ran a a cooper born for a while and i got used to those haptic switches but i can just imagine audi people getting in and saying what are those i want nice knurled aluminium or something um but uh, I don't know about the rest of the switches on the, the dashboard and things. I presume. Did, did they, they say anything nice. about what's happening with the uh, the wing mirrors or the door mirrors? Are they going to be digital? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, well, I did ask that question, and there was some murmuring. And I think the digital door mirrors have died a death. Have oh. they? Which uh, round of applause from us all. Good decision. I think for a lot of that, we we, we owe the American authorities quite a, a favour for that, don't we? Because they're not legal in the US, so yeah. they have to. They have to. Any car that's going to be sold in the US has to be designed and built with with glass mirrors, anyway. So I think possibly the cost of doing yeah. it makes. I them didn't know that. that. I didn't know as, that. As, as anyone, yeah, it's you can't. Remember. So has anyone tried anything with digital mirrors in the team that they've actually liked? Because I I haven't. I've got used to them, but then I've got into a car that's got the glass mirrors, and I thought, oh god, this is. So much piece of reflective glass is so much better isn't it no no some are better than others i mean the one on the audi uh well it was before it was a q8 just the e-tron the suv were the worst i've ever tried and i had Mm -hmm. to reverse onto my own drive when it was raining in the dark and i know the way onto my drive but you just use the mirrors and i couldn't see i had to get out and check that i wasn't going (laughs) to drive into something i i mean they they were just terrible Um, and it was a, a gimmick the only ones that I thought weren't too horrendous was in the Honda E, because at least mm. they were kind of yeah. along the right level of where they should be. Whereas in the Audis, they're putting them in the doors and quite low down. So you, the the eye line is quite yeah. strange. But in the Honda E, at least they were kind of along the right line. But in the Honda E, if you're holding the steering wheel where you should be at the turn and two position, you were blocking the mirror. 
and you couldn't see in the mirror <laughs> if your hands were in the, on the steering wheel. It's crazy. I, I think I did a sum because I was getting a bit geeky and going down a wormhole when I did the Audi Q8 drive. Of, I think it's something like a thousand pounds option to have them, and I worked out that you got an extra three miles for every charge, and it would take like ten thousand years to pay off the cost of of having them. I mean, it's they're just pointless, it's just for people mm-hmm. who love gimmicks, and yeah. even they, if they've tried them in the real world, will go. I'll have my glass back, please. Yeah, no, they're not. They're de- they're definitely not. Just go- going back to the um the wrap that was on that. Um, on the Audi, do you know? I don't know if any of you know this. That Audi have a designer, and there is somebody in their design team whose job it is just to come up with cool and interesting disguise wraps for their cars. Did you did did that come out in the press conference, Tom? No, it didn't. No, they but, were talking about their headlights, though. I'll get onto that in a second. But the okay. no, the wrap was was interesting. It wasn't just the normal kind of no, zebra no, it, or it, something. It's it, there is there is somebody whose job that is to make sure that when that they're eye catching and look good and like disguise the bits on the car that they don't want you to see yet. But it is a it is a, the job of a person. Yes, That's cool. Yeah. It's not just you know give it thought. They're great because they're, they're inspired mm. by the sort of um, Second World, World Dazzle ships, which they used to paint warships into lots of different kind of lines. So you couldn't actually make out what it was. So they could, you know, the, the, the enemies could work out there was a boat there, but they couldn't tell what size it was because it had all these lines painted on it. So it's a very, it's exactly the same kind of construct in terms of how they disguise. I mean, it was easier when they had black bags on them, didn't they, Tom? In the, back in the old, old mm. Express days, you know, we could work out what was underneath them. But with the new kind of, the false lines and all the kind of, it's almost impossible to work out what the shape of the car is from that. They're so clever. I did not know that. I did not know that. Mm. Um, so anything, I should tell you what else I've been driving because I um, I spent, I'm taking real world testing really to the max. I spent eight hours driving a the Skoda Enyaq that Mike and I were discussing last week on Friday, which was really not the plan to be in it for eight hours. It's just the way it worked out and I've got to say I can't imagine many cars that I would get out of at the end of eight hours and not be prepared to perhaps get in and do another journey which I had to do because I had no food and then I had to go to Tesco in it it's (laughs) was that eight hours of pure driving or eight hours that included the charging time no it was eight hours of pure hell not to do with the charging actually to do with traffic so it was eight hours of a lot of being on the m5 stopping starting coming back from cornwall actually then coming off the m5 and driving around the back of bristol because i there sat now thought that'd be a good idea the charging was the least stressful part of that journey as was you know driving the car itself it is an incredibly comfortable car to drive that isn't it mike i mean just wow it to to do a lot of miles and a lot of distance in it and it was fully loaded so I had loaded to the rafters been down in Cornwall for a couple of weeks had the dog in the car a lot of weight in there and I was still pretty impressed with efficiency so I think I ended up on that drive back averaging about 3.7 which considering it was a very full car I thought was all right driving that sort of on more of a mixed you know drives around around town here i've been getting like 4.2 4.3 it's way more again yeah yeah it's so so much more efficient but just like you mike what i did um on that route i stopped at molly's diner and i almost like i don't want us to talk about molly's diner too much because i don't want them to get too busy (laughs) because they were they were a place to charge 
words out. Was it busy? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> you can book. Online, See, I've, so I've always got on the charger there immediately. The food is great. The coffee's great. Um, and actually, I was down in Exeter. So this is um, both on the way down and on the way back. And I saw for the first time something really brilliant happening at Exeter Services. So the motor people there had people managing the chargers. Oh, ah. were, they employed, were they employed by Moto? Yeah. Were they employed were they by Grid, grid Serve? Or? Yeah, they? they were Moto because it's Moto. Yeah, so ah. the, the, the complicated thing for all of these charge point operators is they often don't own the land that they're operating on. So there's... You know, yeah. there's certain things that are a bit out of their control, but Moto were doing it um, and they were really lovely. They had two people taking your registrations and your name and you directed you off to a parking space where you waited. And then um, they'd let you know they were managing, you know, it, who was taking turns. I had to wait sort of 10 minutes to get on a charger, which I thought was all right because the services were mobbed. You were queuing to get in the services. And I had lots of stuff on Twitter going, oh, yes, but I'd be straight in filling up with petrol and diesel. And it was like, but yeah, my car was charging whilst I went in and queued 15 minutes to use the toilet. So actually, wow. I know it's a bit more of a pain on a busy, you know, when it's very busy at the chargers. But when you think then it's that dead time when you're inside where your car's topping up. And I was away in like, I don't know, 25 minutes, maybe half an hour at the most. And I actually didn't need to stop at, at Molly's to, to charge. I did decide to top up. I did it because I'd just been in the car for so long. Yeah, I and I couldn't. Try cope anymore i need to get home mm. so it was um it, it wasn't a great journey but it being electric was genuinely the least of my concerns it was probably better because it was quiet and smooth and you know nice to drive the thought of having someone there that's kind of organizing things as well makes it a lot better i've because i've been to a couple of service stations where <clears throat> excuse me where i've had to like wait in a queue or whatever and you end up in a sort of mild panic like someone someone pulls yeah. up after you you're like yeah. i hope, hope they realize that i'm <gasps> first and i don't have to get into a confrontation because i don't want to do this nice. so having someone there at busy occasions is, is a really really nice yeah. idea so it's a more calming effect yeah. on people that are waiting to charge yeah. although you can but imagine also- the headline writers already can't you Charging companies have to put bouncers in on the chargers to stop electric car drivers fighting. Oh, another system like they used to have the deli Mayo. counters in super in Good. supermarkets about twenty years ago when you took a ticket. You know, they'd always say to you, you know, twenty three. You know, oh, that system. You know, those those yeah, old machines must still system. be on eBay somewhere. Just get a ticket and then you know you get yeah, called exactly. when you call when you're ready. <laughs> Do you know the guy? The guy who invented that has a huge collection of cars in Potter's Bar. He's got the, the world's largest collection of Aston Martin Lagondas. Really? Well, that's and a he, he invented the machine. <laughs> random, random, but good. How you do want, you, you know want four that? slices of? I think let's talk about. Um, I think well, actually, before we do move on, we haven't actually given the podcast a name yet. So we have a very good suggestion from a member of the team. Mike, what do you think we should call our electrifying weekly podcast? Um, well, I quite like the sound of the kilowatt half hour, but given that we're probably about 20 minutes in and we haven't covered anything yet, it might end up being the kilowatt two hours at the moment. So, yeah. But, I mean, I'd quite like... Um, okay. Any suggestions would be great because, you know, I'm, I've been so far down the rabbit hole of trying to think of names for podcasts. And then I think of one and then I Google it and I find there's four already called that. So um, we probably should have done this for years ago. But, yeah, any suggestions would be gratefully received so, we won't pay you obviously but 
No, but we'll give you a shout out. And at the moment, we are thinking it's going to be the electrifying kilowatt half hour. So let us know what you think yeah. in the comments below. If you like that idea, if you think it's absolutely awful, or if you have a yeah. better alternative, that or would also you're... be good too. Yeah. Or if you already do a podcast yeah. called The Electrifying Kilowatt Half Hour, let us know as well, because it saves us having to sort of, you know, <laughs> go through solicitors. Yeah. <laughs> right, then let's, let's, um, let's go on to news, the week's news. Gosh, there's so much journalistically robust, perfectly crafted news about electric cars around at the moment, isn't there? Really well-researched, well put together. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, Are you ready for my favourite headline? Oh, go on, what's your favourite headline? That was uh, the one that was on Twitter as we record today. Britain's summer washout goes from bad to worse. Now flooding misery sees electric cars submerged in rainwater with one woman's brand new 22,000 motor, a write-off following torrential downpours and gale force winds. So I don't know if you can see, but it's actually um, a Renault Captur from, well, that's not brand new. If that was an electric car, we all know it's not going to be 22 grand because it will be way more expensive than that. But that's the Daily Mail going for it and assuming that it's an electric car. Oh. <laughs> Didn't the fact that she said it, it was her electric gearbox that had been damaged give anyone there any of the Say subs, the word electric. Anyone? That's it. Okay. catnip. Yeah. Mm. It's good, isn't it? Has anybody got any factually correct news stories that have caught their eye this week? <laughs> Tom, well, I, anything factually correct caught your eye? That's you know. <laughs> well, well, the, the um, Nissan cut the price of the Aria yesterday, and I thought that was quite interesting because it's now we always said it was too expensive and it looked pricey mm -hmm. compared to rivals, and now it's not anymore. They've lopped three thousand pounds off the uh, the price of the existing models and uh, brought in a new entry level one, which is thirty nine grand, which is bang up against your beloved Enyaq and uh, a few other cars, sort of top of the range Kia Nero EV. And I've got an Aria and I think it's lovely. It's it's posh inside. Um, and if you're looking at like an ID4, for example, and then you go and sit in an Aria, you're going to think, yeah. oh, I mean, this is a completely different world. So, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, the other thing which is really interesting this week is the rise in used electric car prices. So we've been used to them crashing. And for those of us who yeah. uh, own them, uh, it's been a bit squeaky. And they're starting to go up again. I mean, it's it's a slow recovery. But I think that people are looking at the likes of a Tesla Model 3 that's 20 grand and thinking, well, I'll have some of that. And as a yeah. result, prices are starting to go up. So if you want a cheap electric used car, buy it now, I'd say. Just going back to the, the, the ID3 tweaked version that I, I drove you were crunching the numbers on the finance around that and there's a really interesting fact that will go in the video when that goes live and I don't know next week or so that you can get an MG uh, 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 an ID3 for just three pounds more a month at the moment than you can an MG4 trophy on the same sort of deposit and lease terms which I mean, it's the price of a very average cup of coffee more a month. I mean, that's quite remarkable how that has gone from big waiting lists to mm. very good finance deals. It, it's a quick moving market, isn't it, Tom, at the minute? Yeah, I mean, all the, the offers, and we get these press releases saying, and even emails this morning saying a £3,000 deposit contribution and 0% finance, and you really have to do your sums, and they have to be based on what you can actually mm. afford. And I think uh, a 
Nicola, you went on the um, the Astra, Vauxhall Astra launch, and they were saying, oh, well, we've got 0% finance, and that makes the car affordable. But you had to put £12,000 down, then you pay £280 a month for two years or three years, and then you hand the car back. And that seems quite expensive. Because everyone's got 12 there are grand some to put down got... on a car. Yeah. I know. I can't, I can't believe that after... After three years, you, you're prepared to have spent twelve, or just write off twelve thousand pounds plus two hundred and seventy quid a month. I mean, it's just I can't see where that would happen. No. Um, but if you have got like a car you can trade in, and uh, that's going to be worth say seven thousand pounds, there are some good deals about. But you really have to play around. I mean, in the comments on the videos, whenever we do any car that's around forty thousand pounds, you'll get people going, "Oh, but, but you could have a Tesla Model Three. And you can if you're paying cash, but 90% of people don't pay cash. Mm-hmm. And on the finance, that Tesla Model 3 is £120 a month more than an ID3, for example. And you just need to have a look at what the interest rates are, what the residual values are, and, and play around. Every website has, um, has a finance mm-hmm. calculator. See what you're comfortable with, and you'd be amazed at the difference in, mm-hmm. in cars that have apparently the same list price. And if not, just email Tom because he has a massive calculator and he just he sits he there in his office, tapping in numbers, doing doing calculations. That's your happy place, isn't it, Tom? It is my happy place. I mean, there's, there's strange things <laughs> like we we we've got an old Leaf. It's a 2015 Leaf. It's done 55,000 miles, and my wife's like, well, perhaps we should think about getting a new one. And I'm like, well, we could trade this car in, use it as a deposit pay £300 a month and then not have a car at the end of three years, or we just keep, keep this one. A car. But, but you know, those batteries on old electric cars, are you sure, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> so my I mean, headlines, it, so go on. You're going to need to throw in a skip after five on, years, aren't you, Tom? It's electric cars and batteries. <laughs> How old is it now? Is that, well, I, I looked at yesterday and it's, it's uh, what, the car? It's yeah. what? Uh, eight years old so um i i charged it full yesterday and it's 85 miles which people will go oh, that's horrible but it's absolutely fine we're used to doing 85 miles on a charge um, and we only drive on average as i've said for a very long time only around 25 miles a day so there we go mike let's head to you what stories have caught your eye this week well, for me, the big one was, um, it's not necessarily an electric story, but it is an electric story, if you follow what I mean. Volvo aren't going to be selling estate cars or saloons in this country yeah. anymore. And that's, you know, this, this comes in the same year, the same month, the same four-week period that Ford stopped selling a Fiesta. So if, you, you know, if you'd asked you three years ago, think Volvo won't sell any estates and you can't buy a Ford Fiesta, you think, that's mad, isn't it? How the landscape of the car business has changed so much over a relatively short period, um, you know, involved, I put this out on Twitter earlier in the week. And of course, you know, Twitter seems to be the sole place where everybody loves estate cars. Um, and everyone's saying, what a terrible mistake this is from Volvo, they really shot themselves in the foot. But if you look at the figures, yeah, the, the XC, XC60, which is obviously petrol and diesel, um, oversell it by three times the, the sells three times as many of those as they do their nearest um, saloon, which is the S90 or the B90 estate. So there's no business model for making estates. And I know Mercedes are looking at phasing out estates entirely by 2030. But but I can see the attraction to them. But I think that the market is just so SUV driven, isn't it? Um, That Mm -hmm. it makes no sense for them to carry on making estates. 
which is a shame because it I like them, but I understand it. It makes me it. sad. I love, a, I, I love an estate. Anybody else sad with that news? Are you sad oh, with yeah. that news? Yeah, I, I, I also love an estate, but do I own an estate? No, I don't. Um, I, I yeah. have an SUV. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh, but I do. I, every time every time a nice estate goes past me, I do appreciate and I do love an estate. But no, I, I don't have one. And if they're not selling them, it's a business decision they've had to make. I mean, there will be other places that you will, you know, be able to get your estates from if you want to get, you know, an MG5 or something like that. Then you can still get your hand on one of those, I guess, for now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just they have to follow business. I'm afraid you yeah. can't you can't bang on about your love for them if you don't have one. So I can't I can't say well, I love estates. I don't true. have one. So I haven't. Well, I, I don't think I've actually owned an estate since the one yeah. my dad had in the seventies. <laughs> but what, what I think is interesting is that BMW are doing an i5 estate or touring, as they'd mm-hmm. call it, and Audi are going to do an A6 e-tron Avant. Which I'm very um, excited about that car, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to have the same powertrain as that Q6 I drove, and it's going to have yeah. a 400-plus mile range. It's going to be incredibly efficient. It's going to charge yeah. really quick. I mean, that is... Are we the only ones who are going to be excited by that? I think people will love them. If it gives you an extra 50 miles range, yeah. it's going to be a Skoda and, wagon. And given well, the fact that... Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and that's it. Given the fact that it's such a core product for Volvo and that other brands are coming out with these really exciting ideas for electric estates or tourings or events or whatever they call them. It does seem curious. Um, mm. But, yeah. But I guess it It'll goes on it's a glo- electric as well, of course. It is, yeah. I think it's a global market, though, isn't it? China and North America aren't buying estate cars. And if those two markets aren't buying any any kind of car, then it won't get built because they just got to look at the bigger picture. They can't just build handful of cars for for northern europe who quite quite like estate cars it's just you mm-hmm. know it's an unfortunate kind of payback to the fact that we work in a global especially with electric where one model has got to literally sell around the world i mean maybe it'll come back when yeah manufacturer can afford cheaply to develop other kind of versions of it then maybe we will but um yeah it's it's just a sad day isn't it really when the estate cars gone the volvo estate car the classic staple of the 70s and 80s has, has gone mm-hmm. And I think on that on that rather sad sad note, the demise of the estate on that that down point, we need to end the podcast because if it is going to be, oh, okay. you can't end on a down. Kind of a down. You can't. Because if it's if it's going to be the electrifying kilowatt half hour, we've done half an hour. <laughs> oh no, we can't end on a down note. We can't. No. Someone must All have right. a positive story. Okay. I've Give us it. one positive right, headline I'll... to finish on. Oh, I didn't. Mine wasn't a positive, but it was funny. Um, it's, been, it, it, it's been widely reported, but it was in the, the it was the Guardian actually that just made me laugh. Um, new electric cars won't have the AM radio. Right wingers claim political sabotage. <laughs> so this is the thing that electric cars struggle a bit with the AM frequencies, and it's a bit kind of which isn't optimal. So they've decided probably not many people. And that worried, so they'll get rid of AM radio. But in the US, where this story came from, <laughs> there's a lot of um, sort of more right wing um, talk shows and hosts broadcast on AM. And there is now a, a group that believes that there is a whole conspiracy about this, and it's a way of shutting down the right wing media. Oh. So that, that that's my point to end on. So we can end on something that is, yeah. Interesting. Just put it on. Who knows? It'll be fine. 
It's all good. It's all good. Right. Okay. So it's, it was time to say goodbye from all of us. Goodbye. Do let us know what you think in the comments below about the uh, electrifying kilowatt half hour. I like that. Yeah. We like it? Okay. Yeah. If you've got a better idea, let us know. And, uh, and yeah, join us next week. And of course, do like and subscribe and share because we've got podcasts and we've got videos and all kinds of things heading your way. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.